Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in to Unarmored Talk podcast. We have another guest who was willing to remove their armor to help other people develop an accurate way of thinking. Thank you so much for the rating and reviews. Keep them coming. Truly appreciate it. And if you want to watch this episode on TV, right, or on your favorite playing device, go to my YouTube channel. That's Mario P. Fields YouTube. Put that in the search engine. It will pop up. So you guys ready? Well, let's get ready to get into the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Unarmored Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mario P. Fields. And today's guest, who is you know, someone who's re- willing to have a real-life conversation and remove her armor to help others, the one and only Dr. Robin Odegaard. <laughs> Ooh, the crowd goes wild. You can hear. Look, look, well, hold, on, hold on. Let me do it one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Doctor, <laughs> welcome. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> you mind? You mind if I call you Robin? I, I hope you would. This is what my mama named me. Robin, nice to meet. Robin again, nice to to have you on the show and your quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. If you guys haven't seen her quick hits on LinkedIn, you got to check them out. Quick hits. She's in. She's out. Very thought provoking topics. You know, I got to give you a plug because I watch them, Robin. So I get on. It. Get on LinkedIn, check out our quick hits, get in there and get some some discussions going. And it's daily, right? I do. I post them every day, five days a week. Man, that's a lot of commitment. There's a fine line between bravery and stupidity sometimes. <laughs> right. right. But, but you can tell it's a passion. You can tell that you just enjoy it. I love the conversations. That's, I mean, I started it because I was intellectually lonely. I missed having real conversations with real human beings. So right. I just bring a panel of people together and we have a topic for, you know, four people, one topic, 10 minutes. Nice. Time. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, can you tell the listeners and viewers just a little bit about yourself, Robin? Oh, you want the litany? All right, here we go. You ready? Former competitive, on. Hold on. <laughs> Former competitive beach volleyball player turned high performance psychologist with continuing education in nutrition. My clients call me a smoke jumper. They say that I parachute in and help them fight the fires from the inside. I've written three books and done a TEDx talk. There you go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, I'm five foot two and a half. So I'm stuck on the beach thing. I'm like, well, she, she, well she's definitely not five foot two. <laughs> I'm not. My husband's five, six. <laughs> You, you know, my listeners and viewers always know they're, they're with Mario again. He's comfortable with his height. You know, I love that's why I always tell people, I was like, man, I'm cool. I, I stopped growing when I was in the second grade. So, you know, I'm cool. It's all good. <laughs> well, you, you know, so so here's the deal. Let's jump right into into the topic. We, we see this. I can only speak for me. I see this doctor, very positive, very professional doing quick hits, having intellectual discussions, looks so positive. I see the degrees, the accomplishments. To me, it looks like you just had this amazing, amazing household. Mom and dad were wonderful. And uh, you just enjoy life, went on to college. But I don't think that's the case, Robin. What happened at about 16? So, First, we have to start with the fact that I come from a very patriarchal family. So my father makes the rules and he taught at the high school that I went to. And the rule that he made for me was that I was not allowed to accept or turn down dates. If someone asked me out, the only thing I was allowed to say was, you have to go ask my dad. 
And, and that was and that was for any 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 date. any request. Any request didn't matter. Didn't matter. And every boy who ever got brave and went and said, "Hey, I'd like to take your daughter out." My dad gave what I called the God speech and then told them no. Never did he say yes. Wow. So so, so never ever did he say yes to anybody who had the courage to ask dad until okay 16 years old we're in chicago for my grandparents 50th wedding anniversary there's a friend of the family there who is 27 he goes up to my dad well he comes to me first and he says hey do you want to go to the arcade so i'm dating myself yes he wanted to take me to the arcade right so he asked me, we, and we, of course. We, we, won't, we know you're 27 right now. Yeah, I'm 27. We, yeah, yes. we'll give you. You want to go 30? We'll just give you 30. <laughs> Keep it so he says, do you want to go to the yeah. arcade? I say, you have to ask my dad. Right. And I figure that's the end of it. It's always been the end of it. I've never, ever been, you know, on a date ever. Right. 25 minutes later, he says, all right, let's go. And I'm like, what? What, what, what happened? And he says to me, well, I just went up and said, Hey, can I take your daughter to the arcade? And he said, sure, if you let me drive your car. He was driving a 76 Stingray with T-tops, mm. candy apple red with flames on the side. Okay. Oh, wow. So I have never fought. I never, ever fought so hard for my virginity as I did that night in that car. Wow. And, 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 and here you are, 16. And he's 27. I, and, 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 and dad has declined all the fellas your age. Mm-hmm. And now this gentleman who's almost looking at 30, right? I use that cliche kind of, mm-hmm. and dad goes, absolutely. And so, you know, I thought that would be the end of it. We went back. I grew up in California. We went back to California and he lived in North Carolina. He went back to North Carolina, mm-hmm. but he started calling me. And because I was, you know, polite and kind and whatever, I started taking his phone calls. So we were having chats or whatever. And I remember, so this is my junior year in high school. Um, another boy called and my dad was like, well, you, you can't talk to him. You're dating this, this other guy. And I'm like, I'm not dating him. I talked to him. He's like, no, you're dating him. So my dad refused to let me talk to anyone else. Wow. For my 17th birthday, he flew out and took me to dinner and he gave me this really cute little heart shaped ring with little diamonds and a, and a ruby on it for my birthday. Okay, fine whatever. Yeah. You're not thinking anything of it. Okay. I'm not thinking anything of it. Hey, that, okay. Thank you so much for this little. little so cute. Whatever. Yes, nice. So, so tender. So August. So I'm 17 and a half years old. My dad comes to me and says, he asked for your hand in marriage. And I said, yes. Wow. What? And my dad says, well, you accepted a promise ring from him eight months ago. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so, so <laughs> that so, face, oh. that face is exactly the face I made. <laughs> Again, ladies and gentlemen, and, and the thing I love about this podcast is, is I'm learning this during this podcast. This is not like this is information that I had. And so, um, hold on. So, so your dad's like, hey, you, you, you accepted a promise ring from him. And because you accepted, that ring and he asked to marry you i'm saying absolutely and because i grew up in such a patriarchal system where i didn't believe i had a choice i mean i have code words with my brothers that if i need help with something and i can't get what i need to have happen i call my brothers and say hey i need a y chromosome 
(laughs) It's a running, it's a running joke in our family. Wow. So you guys developed your own like set of code, like top secret, you know, codes to communicate where, Mm -hmm. where mom and dad, right. No one could decipher except your brothers. Hey, I need a Y chromosome is basically there's something going down here. And because I'm female, I'm not getting the power I need. I'm not getting heard. Can you come and help me? And so because I was groomed in that way, it never occurred to me that I shouldn't, that I should say, no, I don't want to get married. That's not what I want to do. I just kind of was like, okay, I guess that's what's happening next in my life then. And so my senior year in high school, I spent working and paying for a wedding and wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, doc. I'm sorry, Robert. You got, you got me all messed up. So your senior year in high school, you worked to pay for a wedding that your dad is making you have. Well, I thought it was my wedding. I mean, he told me that I was supposed to do it and I was doing it because I was a good girl and I wanted my daddy to be proud of me. But yes, I worked to pay for my wedding. I think my, I, if I remember correctly, my parents paid for my dress and the cake, I think. And you covered the rest of the cost. And there wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a huge cost. I got married at a, you know, a friend's farm outside and blah, blah. But the interesting thing about that is my husband didn't pay for any of it. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, okay. <laughs> but we'll get to that. I'll tell you why in a minute. Oh, yeah. First, you have to know that just before we walked down the aisle, the last thing my father said to me was, you are no longer welcome in my home as a single woman. So essentially, right before you got married, your dad said, essentially, if you don't stay married forever, don't ever come back home. Right. And this is right before. <laughs> so what, yeah. Robin, what emotions? I just got to ask. I mean, this is on Armour Talk. What, at, at this point, what emotions are you experience, experiencing? Well, so I'm a teenager, right? And I'm getting ready to get married and I have on a big white dress. And, you know, so at the time I wasn't smart enough to know better. I mean, I, looking back, obviously I'm like, oh my words, you shouldn't say on public podcasts, but we'll, we'll, just, we'll and, just stop recording. Then we go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> my aunts and uncles, like they knew they came back to me afterwards, years and years later, after I got divorced and we're like, yeah, we knew. I'm like, could someone have like thrown me a clue? A Y chromosome? <laughs> given me some help, you know, whatever, but yeah. so it, it, you know, it just was what it was. And so I graduated from high school valedictorian and three weeks later I got married and was moved clear across the country to, to, to where, where did, where did North did Carolina, you, to the Carolinas. So, so, yeah. so here it is, you know, you're having this, you know, you're growing up like, you know, right. You're a teenager, you're looking at life in the, in the eyes of a teenager for you, Robin, uh, dad has de- de- denied every request from every young man, short, tall, did matter. That's no, you know, gives him this right. This, this kind of keynote speech and then, and then declines the offer. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, randomly, some almost 30 year old, 20, we'll get accurate. 27 year old goes, Hey, just want to take her to the arcade. And it turns into a, a wedding, a, an arranged wedding. Now mm-hmm. you're off in the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. Now what? So I have seven siblings. I'm the oldest of seven. So I went from living in a house, three bedroom house, one bathroom with full of people to living in North Carolina by myself with a man who didn't have a job because he was on legal leave of absence 
for going 110 and a 55 and had lost his license. So he didn't have a job. And at the time it didn't occur to me that if he doesn't have a job, where's he going every day, but he wasn't ever home. And so I was so lonely and so depressed and we couldn't afford to call home because, oh, he's really badly in debt. He's not very bright and he has a drug problem. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. But he did me the very first favor and that was he made me get a job. Married women in my family don't work. Mm. And he made me get a job because he needed the money to pay the bills. Right. And that... I have to thank him for. Right. And I, and I love how, you know, you find the right, you find opportunities in moments of crisis. And, and here it's a moment of crisis. You're in North Carolina. You, you're starting to learn more about the, the man that you were told to marry, realizing mm -hmm. that his qualities are pretty low <laughs> and mm -hmm. he's got more challenges than any adult you've ever seen. But he creates this opportunity where now you can work because you're out of that belief system, uh, you know, that was in, in your household. So, so, so are you, you know, are things going right? Are you, you know, you're working things are, you know, the money starts to come in. Does he change? Oh no, there's no changing. There's no changing. It's definitely, and it's interesting because I never considered myself very smart, but I always had intelligent friends. And if there was a drug deal in low life within five minutes, he would find them. Like he just was attracted to the, and so if we had parties, it would be like two separate parties. It would be my friends, you know, being drinking wine and being civil, reasonable humans right. and his friends being obnoxious and rude and me trying to not have the cops called on us. And it was just this interesting dichotomy for the entirety of our marriage of like, what a mess, but I couldn't go home. What was I going to do? Where was I going to go? So, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup, figure it out. Right. And, and at, at one point, at, at a point during this, this journey in your life, did you get like discouraged? Where did you go, man, I, this is going to be the rest of my life? Well, I knew six months in that it was not forever. Wow. I didn't know how long it was going to be. I had no idea how I was going to get out. I didn't know any of that, but I knew six months in, this is a disaster and this is not going to be forever. I like, and I like that how your thought process was, <laughs> was I have no idea what the future holds, but I do know what I do know is this current situation. This is not it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good because I think that's good for the listeners and viewers to understand that your current situation, good or bad, you know, you make that decision. Um, it's not forever, whatever it is. And I think the other thing I want them to take away from this is that you can be groomed into doing things that are totally against your best interest and be okay with it. And then realize oh, that was dumb. And then you know what you have to do? Change your mind. Change your mind. Right. Change your mind. So so now now so now you've been married for how long? How long were you married? You know, I was married to him for eight years. Well, I lived with him for eight years before he threw me out. He threw me out. So let's and, talk. Let's talk about that. Well, so, first you have to ask him, why did you marry her? And I did ask him that question. And he told me because I was good stock. Wait a minute. So he said the reason why he married you, because you were good stock. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? 
So I think it means that because, you know, I grew up very, women stay home and they take care of the husbands and they like all of those, they have the babies and men kind of do whatever they want. He thought that's what he was getting. So at what point did he go, I thought you were good stock. No, your stock is well. Good. So you have to understand. So I didn't learn until about two or three years ago why he actually threw me out. The story I got at the time, so I'm in my mid late 20s, and he says to me, I don't love you. I don't want to be married to you. And I don't want you living in my house, which was a slab of concrete, a plywood wall, and tin roof. I had to cut the grass in the bedroom because it grew under the wall. So you don't get much more redneck than that. And he said, you are lazy. And this is what he told my father. He said, she's lazy. So he threw me out. Of course, I was like, Mara, thank you very much. Um, but my father called me and said to me, if you had been appropriately submissive, you would have been able to make it work. And my dad forbid me. So he forbid me to keep my name when I got married. And he forbid me to take the name back when I got divorced. Now, could my father forbid me from taking a name? No, I'm a grown human. I call myself right. whatever I want. But... I'm also no longer that person. So that name isn't mine anymore. Does that make sense? Oh, that, that makes complete sense. I am just amazed, you know. Um, so, yeah. You want to hear that hysterical part of this story? The Absol actual reason he asked me to leave? Absolutely. Apparently he had gotten involved with a drug cartel and the cocaine ring that he was involved with wanted to use his identity for nefarious purposes. And they realized that I was bright. And because I did the bills of the household that I would recognize what was happening. So they told him, you'll do better off without her. You, you, we can do so much better than her. You need, need to get her out of your life. And so he did. So he complied. So, so I have a cocaine ring to thank for getting me out of a bad marriage. <laughs> Robin, this, this is just amazing. Uh, wow. You, you're 16. It's just, this is amazing. And, and it was, it was the, your husband's affiliation with, with a drug cartel that created an opportunity for you to thrive and heal and shine to the, to the professional you are today. I would have never, ever guessed. Well, and you, I can't say Oh, and after that, everything was roses and sunshine. Mm -hmm. I had to make my own mistake after that. Absolutely. That's probably a different show. <laughs> we might have to do another one. I mean, it's on Armour Talk. We might have to do Robin Part 2. Um, so so lo looking back on, on that, you know, looking back on that specific journey mm -hmm. and, and then having your own father, one, marry you off to this man, mm -hmm. and then two, blame you. For mm -hmm. his choices, mm -hmm. how did that, what, did you, what emotions did you experience during that one? So when my father first called me and, and told me that I was you know, not appropriately submissive, that I was doing a disservice, that I was you know, sinning and all of the things, going to hell and all the things that come out of someone's mouth when they're doing that, I felt a lot of shame. Mm. I felt a lot of shame for failing for not being able to do it, for not being good enough, for you know, not meeting my father's expectations. And there's a part of me, there's a little girl who still thinks that her daddy is perfect. Right. And I miss that man who walked on water. I remember telling teachers at school, well, my daddy says. Right. 
I was so proud of my daddy. And I know that when he passes, my father is still alive and we do still have a relationship as long as we stay on very specific subjects. Right. I know when he passes, I'm going to cry for the man who he was when I was a little girl and right. I miss him. And I wish we could have that back. So at first I felt shame, but now, cause he still does periodically try to shame me about ridiculous things. Right. And now I just go all Amazon warrior and tell him that he needs to be friends with his children on earth. <laughs> and, and, and I'm pretty sure you do it, do it in an eloquent way, you know, where it's very professional and a person can walk away going, do Robin just tell me that I'm horrible? <laughs> I, just, just from the time, because just from the time. I can I've be wicked to, mean if I'm not careful. Oh, I yet. know. I mean, as someone who's been through that, I'm pretty sure you have the flexibility and skills, uh, you know, to do that. So, but you know, and I don't, I don't cut people for like only to defend myself or defend people I love. Right. That's right. it. I'm very careful. I've learned to manage that part of me, but I can be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, again, the time I got to know you, I can tell that you're very sympathetic, empathetic, um, but you have the capability, right? You have the soft skill, mm -hmm. <laughs> the human skill to go, okay, enough is enough. Yeah. Enough is enough. And, and I, you know, he will double down. He'll double down on being mean. And I'm like, no, you do not get to treat me that way. You gave me away. The man you gave me to threw me out. I am free and clear. Thank you very much. I've paid my debt, my friend. <laughs> I'm free and clear. There's no liens on this property. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, well, if there is, if there's anything that you could leave our listeners and viewers in regards to what you experienced early in your life and then look at you today, what would you leave them? I guess the thing that is important to remember is that you cannot heal an infection if you keep it buried. So if you keep your armor on and you have an infection brewing underneath, you cannot heal that. You have to take off the scar tissue and the anger and the hate and the bitterness, bitterness, especially take that off and really start looking at, it may not be my fault, but it is my problem. And I am responsible for figuring it out. Because once you get to that point, then you have a chance to heal. No, I truly appreciate it. Guys, You, ladies and gentlemen, you guys heard it from Robin. Um, today is today, but it's not going to be the same forever. And if you don't remove your armor, it'll just continue to wear you out and you cannot thrive and mm -hmm. heal in your life. Robin. Doctor, she, she, you know, we talked about this. So I'm, I'm just best with it. doctor. <laughs> That's me. I worked hard for it. I know you did. But Robin, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you removing your armor to be a guest on the Armor Talk podcast. Thanks for having me and allowing me to share. No, no worries. How can people find you if they want to find um, find well, Robin. if they're watching this video, they can see my name right up there, drrobinodegaard.com. That's the easiest place to find me. I'm also obviously, as you mentioned at the top on LinkedIn, same name. Um, if you are listening to an audio version and you can't see the video, then you can find me at champperformance.com. It's easier to spell than Odegaard, but it takes you to the same place. Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you guys heard it. Please follow her, look her up, get on those quick hits. Again, Robin, thank you so much for blessing the show. Thank you for having me.
Well, we just heard it, ladies and gentlemen, from Dr. Robin Odegaard. I mean, your dad tells you who you're marrying. You go off to some place far away from home just to find out that he can't drive. And oh, my goodness. And he's on drugs and you name it. And then faith, fate, right? Fate, not faith, but fate happens. And what did Robin do? Take a situation and turn it into a positive where now, years later, she is healing and thriving, and she's just starting. No matter what your situation is, always remember, it's temporary, and if you think through it, you can improve the outcome and increase the probability of a positive outcome of those situations. Take care. See you guys soon.